Hello, everyone. <laughs> Welcome to the Mystic Show. Welcome back if you're uh, a return listener. A lot of our listeners are. They're, they're return listeners. They're chronic listeners. And, uh, well, this is the show where we talk about spirituality and mindfulness and uh, meditation, spiritual states, um, and, as you probably know, a lot about personal development and uh, the practical side of spirituality, right? We love all the abstract, you know, intellectual stuff, concepts and ideas. We love it. But more than that, we love implementing it in our lives and benefiting from it, you know? There's an idea. So today is uh, November 14th, 2013, and uh, I'm actually, as, as is my new custom, I'm actually tweeting and posting on Facebook right now that we're live, and uh, our website is themysticshow.net themysticshow.net and if you go there you can find well links to our Twitter and Facebook but also the phone number and our Skype handle you can call me live we do the show every morning 7am every weekday morning right not not on the weekends um, and it's a one hour show And but on the weekends on Sunday morning at 9am eastern time by the way all times are eastern time because we're in uh we're at New York City time here. But on Sunday mornings from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m., we run the Mystic Marathon. And basically that's all five episodes from the previous week in a row. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Has anyone ever listened to all five in a row? Probably not. That's crazy. Anyhow, but uh and all of our shows are um archived on our website. Literally every single show we've ever done is archived on our website. You can browse by topics and all that stuff, uh, keywords and tags, and it's kind of a lot of fun. I don't know if you've been to the website yet and poked around a little bit. So I'm happy to be back here live. Actually, yesterday, I don't know if you tuned in, but uh, we actually replayed the first Mystic show ever, which was only a couple months ago. It was September 9th. It's only been two months and five days, um, but it seems like a long time. Anyway, the first show was really nice because we read um, from James Allen that the book Byways of Blessedness. We read the uh, the first chapter, which is called Right Beginnings, which was which is great, right? How important are beginnings? Very important. So, yeah, because I was at an event yesterday, which I'm going to talk about a little bit later. Because there seems to be a trend these days that um, mindfulness and, in a way, spirituality are sort of creeping into a lot of different uh, areas of life, including business. There's a lot of business owners and business coaches out there who are bringing in these concepts of... Uh, you know, purpose and vision and emotions and mind power and mindfulness, presence, you know, uh, even even getting, you know, messages from your soul and all this stuff, right? So I think that's great because it's sort of bringing in a missing piece in a way. And uh, some people really need that, like me. I really need that. I mean, I was few years ago when I was doing business coaching, I was, it was all about mindset and attitude and all about thoughts and our mental muscles. And I don't know, maybe I was like a few years too early because a lot of people didn't get that. And, and there's probably some people who are never going to really get that. And that's okay. Everyone's going to get what they need, what they're ready for. Right. So I got a bunch of, uh, Really nice topics to talk about today. And again, if you want to call up and comment on some of this, go ahead. I mean, you can just put your two cents in and hang up the phone or, or Skype. You don't have to stay on for 10 minutes. 
Um, but the first thing I want to actually read, it, this is a really nice uh, passage from the book. Um, I feel like I'm forgetting something, by the way. Oh, yeah, that's it. Pressing uh, record on my studio recorder here. Well, thank goodness the station records it. Anyway, um, see? All right, wearing every hat. It's hard to wear many hats. Some of them fall off sometimes. All right, so this is a passage from 365 Dao, Daily Meditations by Deng Ming Dao. And this is actually the passage for today. Right, every every day of the year has its own passage, depending on which hemisphere you're in. Right, we're in the northern, but you may be in the southern hemisphere. And just so you know, if you're interested, oh, you know what? We're gonna read one right now at the beginning of the show, and we're gonna read one at the end of the show. The uh, oh no, yeah, that's true. But I was thinking the one at the end of the show is for the Southern Hemisphere, but it's not. All right, so this one is called Singing. It's called Singing, and it's... Um, I'll just read it. There's a little member, there's a little poem sort of thing. Then there's a few paragraphs written. Uh, it's pretty quick, so here we go. Singing. Rain comes and birds. Silhouettes against the pearlescent sky. Respond excitedly in song. They open their throats to heaven's nectar and rhyme with the drops. All of nature is song. Sometimes the song is in a minor key with purple tones that stir the soul, bursting the heart with pent up emotions. Sometimes it is joyous, full of rich melodies and grand chords that bring electric thrills. Sometimes it descends into strange modes, guttural chants, and obscure dissonances. It is up to each of us to sing as we feel moved by the overall song of life. Do we harmonize with it? Do we sing a counterpoint? Do we purposefully sound discordant tones? Perhaps a student first encountering Tao endeavors to harmonize with it. But that isn't all there is to having a relationship with Tao. Tao gives us the background the broad circumstances. It is up to us to fit into it, go against it, or even flutter off on oblique angles. Don't look at Tao as one big, inexorable stream in which we float like dead logs. What could that lead to except log jams? No, let us be like the birds who sing when Tao sends them rain, who know what to do when winter comes, who embroider the sky with their own unique paths, who will sing a counterpoint when they need to, who will sing poetry that is discordant when it must be, and rhymes when it is proper. So there you have it. That's uh, the little passage called Singing here on page 318. I like this passage because, right, all of life is a song. And and there seems to be, you know, the Tao in the background is, it has its own song, sort of. And really, we can choose to either harmonize with it or or be discordant or be dissonant or, you know, we can each sing our own song. And um, I think one of the points he's making here is that we don't always have to harmonize with it so we sound good with it. 
And this kind of goes to something that I've realized in my life, that when we're practicing spirituality and we're meditating a lot and we're you know, thinking about these higher concepts and higher values and trying to live by them, um, I have found some people who sort of, um, they sort of, I don't know how to say it, they sort of pretend to be very spiritual when, I don't know, when, I, I mean, who knows if they are, but it, it, there's there's some sort of uh, pretending going on, and it's it's almost like if you just be quiet, if you're just really quiet and you speak with a very low voice all the time, somehow that makes you spiritual. And that's just a bunch of rubbish. Really, that's just rubbish. Because in their mind and in their heart, it could be filthy. They could be swindling you. They could be cursing you. They could be stealing from you behind your back. But on the surface, they might be, you know, very nice and kind and, you know, yes, you know, bring you some tea or something and speak very, you know, calmly and, you know, speak about the master. Oh, the master. And it's just, I don't know. I, I feel, I kind of think that I see right through it at times. And, um, and I don't, I think that actually harms a person rather than does them any good. Like we know from the material world, mainly, that this, you ever hear the saying called, um, fake it till you make it, right? You just sort of act like you've already made it and that actually helps you make it. Um, that may apply in spirituality. I actually haven't thought much about it. What do you think? You want to call up and uh, talk about that? Well, just go to the website, themysticshow.net, and the phone number and the Skype handle are right there. And, uh, yep, I'm ready to receive calls on Skype. Right? The fake it till you make it. So, so here's the thing. Here's my point. Some people sort of are pretending to be more spiritual than they really are. And they don't want to confront things a lot of times, or they don't want to confront people because they think confrontation or maybe a small argument or maybe a big argument, they think those things are unspiritual. And I actually disagree. I I mean, from the bottom of my heart, I disagree. I think when you when you hide those things, when you push these feelings down even more, when you don't let your true feelings come out, um, they're just getting compacted down to become further grossness, harder grossness to clean out later. So I think if you're just what I call a normal human being, you just you're just normal. Like if there's a problem, you say, "Hey, there's a problem." If someone's doing something wrong and and it's your job to tell them, then just tell them. I don't know. This whole pretending to be more spiritual than we are is is really bad in in my opinion. And and that's why I don't know if the whole fake it till you make it thing really applies to uh spirituality. In a way it comes down to self-honesty, but Anyway, this passage we just read is called Singing, and what he says is sometimes you have to harmonize with Tao, but sometimes you have to sing counterpoint. Or, he says it right here, purposefully sound discordant tones. I think some people in this world, and I, 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 I get the feeling I'm one of them, need to step up at times and say, hey, this isn't right. You know, even if it is in a spiritual group where everybody's, you know, pretending to be so spiritual and so perfect, you know, I think, I think things like that need to be said at times. Not, not a lot, because if you do it all the time, then, I mean, if you're in some group and you're always the one complaining and, and arguing, then probably you should just leave the group. But in a normal 
I mean, think of a family. I mean, every family has issues and every family has to confront certain things and talk about certain things. It doesn't help when the family, when, when the parents just remain hush-hush about all the, uh, you know, off-color subjects or, or uncomfortable topics to discuss. I mean, that doesn't work. You don't ignore these things and, and they go away. That's not how it works. So I think singing, this, this passage is great. I mean, sing your tune. Whatever your tune is, just sing it. And be true to yourself. And if that means harmonizing with other people, fine. If that means occasionally you have to step up and, and be a little discordant and, and confront something, and then that's fine too. I'm all for that. Of course, that brings up a whole nother topic that if you, do, if you are discordant or dissonant, um, and you bring it up and you confront something and maybe you do have an argument, you got to kind of put that behind you almost immediately. I mean, you can't hang on to it, right? Because you got to let the people who, the people who you are encouraging to make a change, you have to give them a little time to change too. So anyway, that's a whole nother conversation. So that's a little bit about singing singing your tune. And uh, I think we'll just take a little short break right now. One of these days sit down and write a long letter to all the good friends I've known and I'm gonna try to thank them all for the good times together though so apart we've grown One of these days I'm gonna sit down and write a long letter To all the good friends I've known One of these days Yes, thank you. One of these days <laughs> Thank you, Neil Young, for one of these days. And it won't be long. Nope, it won't be long. So thanks, Neil Young, for that little musical interlude. And welcome back to The Mystic Show. You can find all the details of our show on our website. It's themysticshow.net. And uh, our phone number's there. Yes, you can call live. We do the show every weekday morning at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. And a lot of folks really like listening while they're jogging or walking or in the gym or they're in their kitchen preparing for the day, um, or they're driving in their car, and they got the uh, they can they can stream it through their smartphone and and put it onto their radio, or even listen uh, with one headphone, one little earpiece. So a lot of opportunity to listen to the Mystic Show, and of course it's archived as a podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. So you can always uh, subscribe there, and, and you know if you're a podcast person, which more and more people are becoming podcast people. Podcasts are, I mean, it is one of the most powerful mediums out there. It's just, it, it's just beginning to become popular, even though it's been around for uh, about nine years, eight or nine years. So podcast, yep, that's why we podcast the show too. That way you can go back. You can even share. If you heard a good show, good episode, you want to share it with someone, you can. So, yeah, so I read that little piece on singing. And now I want to go back to our James Allen book. And um, the book we're reading from is called Above Life's Turmoil. And this is just a great book by James Allen. And by the way, we only have four more passages left to go out of the 20. 
So that, what, today's Thursday, Friday, Monday, Tuesday. So yeah, so by next Tuesday, we'll be finished with this book. And guess what? We actually have uh, guests that are going to be on the show next Wednesday and Thursday. Two different guests. So one on Wednesday, one on Thursday. And and hopefully I can you know get some more really good guests on the show. If you want to recommend anyone to be a guest and be interviewed on the show, go ahead and uh, contact me. You can just contact me through the, uh, the mysticshow.net website. There's a contact us page. You could just send a note. And uh, yeah, just send someone's information or make an introduction, however you want to do it. All right, so this passage we're going to read from Above Life's Turmoil is called... As I'm going to turn off the ringer of the phone right now because I'm going to be reading for a few minutes. Um, but as soon as I'm done reading, if you want to call, that'd be awesome. Uh, so this passage is called The Glorious Conquest. The Glorious Conquest. And again, it's from the book Above Life's Turmoil by James Allen. Here we go. Truth can only be apprehended by the conquest of self. Blessedness can only be arrived at by overcoming the lower nature. The way of truth is barred by a man's self. The only enemies that can actually hinder him are his own passions and delusions. Until a man realizes this and commences to cleanse his heart, he has not found the path which leads to knowledge and peace. Until passion is transcended, truth remains unknown. This is the divine law. A man cannot keep his passions and have truth as well. Error is not slain until selfishness is dead. The overcoming of self is no mystical theory, but a very real and practical thing. It is a process which must be pursued daily and hourly with unswerving faith and undaunted resolution if any measure of success is to be achieved. The process is one of orderly growth, having its sequential stages, like the growth of a tree. And as fruit can only be produced by carefully and patiently training the tree, even so the pure and satisfying fruits of holiness can only be obtained by faithfully and patiently training the mind in the growth of right thought and conduct. There are five steps in the overcoming of passion, which includes all bad habits and particular forms of wrongdoing, which I will call 1. Repression. 2. Endurance. 3. Elimination. 4. Understanding. 5. Victory. When men fail to overcome their sins, it is because they try to begin at the wrong end 
They want to have the stage of victory without passing through the previous four stages. They are in the position of a gardener who wants to produce good fruit without training and attending to his trees. Repression consists in checking and controlling the wrong act, such as an outburst of temper, a hasty or unkind word, a selfish indulgence, etc., and not allowing it to take actual form. This is equivalent to the gardener nipping off the useless buds and branches from his tree. It is a necessary process, but a painful one. The tree bleeds while undergoing the process, and the gardener knows that it must not be taxed too severely. The heart also bleeds when it refuses to return passion for passion, when it ceases to defend and justify itself. It is the process of mortifying the members of which St. Paul speaks. But this repression is only the beginning of self-conquest. When it is made an end in itself, and there is no object of finally purifying the heart, that is a stage of hypocrisy, a hiding of one's true nature and striving to appear better in the eyes of others than one really is. In that case, it is an evil. But when adopted as the first stage toward complete purification, it is good. Its practice leads to the second stage of endurance of forbearance, in which one silently endures the pain which arises in the mind when it is brought in contact with certain actions and attitudes of other minds toward one. As success is attained in this stage, the striver comes to see that all his pain actually arises in his own weaknesses and not in the wrong attitudes of others toward him. These latter being merely the means by which his sins are brought to the surface and revealed to him. He thus gradually exonerates all others from blame in his falls and lapses of conduct, and accuses only himself, and so learns to love those who thus unconsciously reveal to him his sins and shortcomings. Having passed through these two stages of self-crucifixion, the disciple enters the third that of elimination, in which the wrong thought which lay behind the wrong act is cast from the mind immediately as it appears. At this stage, conscious strength and holy joy begin to take the place of pain, and the mind Having become comparatively calm, the striver is enabled to gain a deeper insight into the complexities of his mind, and thus to understand the inception, growth, and outworking 
of sin. This is the stage of understanding. Perfection in understanding leads to the final conquest of self. A conquest so complete that the sin can no more rise in the mind even as a thought or impression. For when the knowledge of sin is complete, when it is known in its totality, from its inception as a seed in the mind to its ripened outgrowth as act and consequence, then it can no more be allowed a place in life, but it is abandoned forever. When the, then the mind is at peace. The wrong acts of others no longer arouse wrong and pain in the mind of the disciple. He is glad and calm and wise. He is filled with love and blessedness abides with him. And this is victory. And that's the end of that passage. So we'll just take a quick break. All right, thank you to Anya for this song. It's off uh, the Celts album, her album. Uh, yes, and welcome back to The Mystic Show. I'm Chris Curran, and our website is themysticshow.net, and you can find out all, all the information you want to know on our website. Yes, The Meaning of Life, it's on there. Mm-hmm. But you can find our phone number, our Skype handle. You can call us live. Oh, let me turn on the ringer of the phone. See, if you were just calling and it, no one answered, call back. <laughs> um, yes, and also all our previous episodes. So we just read this little passage called uh, The Glorious Conquest, right? And he maps out those five... The five steps in in the overcoming of passion, which includes all bad habits and particular forms of wrongdoing. And it's so funny. I mean, I've read this book before. I did not read this passage like yesterday or this morning to prepare because um, I've read it before, but Remember before I was when we were talking about the passage called singing I was talking about how people pretend to be more spiritual than they are he actually mentions that exact thing in this passage isn't that amazing but see that's how uh that's how the theme of a show comes about right it just keeps coming up right cuz he said it's the first stage or the first step that he talks about called repression Repression, when you're trying to, you know, he says, repression consists in checking and controlling the wrong act, such as an outburst of temper, a hasty or unkind word, and not allowing it to take actual form. So 
that's a he says that's a great first step but if you if that's if you keep that as the goal if that's your only goal is to just repress everything repress your true feelings then that's a bad goal that's not the proper goal to have that's the first step out of 5 as he as he talks about it here so I, I just thought that was a, I don't know if you caught that when I was reading it. I did. And I was like, wow, I just talked about this. So, right. He says it's hypocrisy. If you're, if you're only repressing your feelings and you're not moving further on the, on your spiritual path, that's hypocrisy because you're acting like someone that you're not, and you're not really trying to become something else. All right, so that was that. If you have a, want to comment on that, give me a call. Um, I do just want to mention a few things real quick. Um, I mentioned that the uh, the World Chess Championship match is taking place right now. And um, when I was at the live event yesterday, I was actually... I See, with modern technology, I, I can actually watch the game on video streaming video and an actual uh, screenshot of the board. So you can tell the chess position, where all the pieces are, and you can see the players in video. You can see all that live. And there's people commenting on it. You know, like sports commentators. Like when you watch a football game or a baseball game, there's the guys that are, you know, calling the game. Well, when you have a big chess match... They have that as well. Most people don't realize that, but it's true. And uh, the only thing is a chess match can take like six or seven hours. <laughs> and that's a long time. I mean, y- you can't really watch every moment. <laughs> Some people do, but average people can't. So I was just checking into it. And uh, yeah, so the matches, they've played four games out of 12 and it's still, they've drawn every game. So no no one has, neither player has won a game yet, and neither player has lost. They've all been draws. And uh, so I just thought of a couple chess analogies. You know, chess is a lot like life. Chess has, there's something about chess that is fascinating to me and a lot of people because apparently there's more there's more, uh, how do I say it? There's more possible variations on a chessboard than there are uh, atoms in the universe. So the possible combinations of a chess game are so, <laughs> so many. It, it's greater than, it's more than the amount of particles in the universe, which is, I mean, that just, you can't even understand that really <laughs> what does that mean well that means that people have there's been millions and millions of chess games played and there's like a bajillion more games different games that are going to be played so there's never like a routine you know it's not like checkers i think checkers there there's a finite amount of possibilities in chess there's well there is a finite amount of, well, I don't know if it's finite, but it's a bajillion, so that that's all we need to know, right? Uh, but in chess, you know, when you play a chess game, and, and chess is a lot like life, right? So here, here we go. You have to have a strategy, right? Which means you have to think of a plan, right? You have to have a plan when you're playing a chess game, because if you just move pieces randomly... I mean, you're going to get your butt kicked. You're going to get roasted, as we, we say, when, when, we, when I used to play chess. <laughs> um, so you have to have a strategy, which is your plan. Like, what's your plan? In spirituality, that's like, okay, what's your plan for life? And I'm not talking about your job and money. I'm talking about what's your plan, because you're going to be here for another few years or 20 years or 50 years. Then you're going to die. Then what? 
So what's your plan? <laughs> I mean, did anyone ever ask you that? What's your plan? <laughs> well, all right, so you need to have a plan. And and look, the main spiritual plan is to, um, during your life, practice meditation and and learn about spiritual concepts and really try to live them. Basically learn as much as you can and develop as much spiritual wealth as you can because your spiritual wealth is actually wealth you can take with you. Unlike your car. Sorry, guys, you can't take your car with you. I know a lot of the teenagers are like, what? Man. So, yeah, spiritual wealth. And what does that mean? Well, guess what? You have to figure it out. (laughs) That's the beauty of spirituality. There's really no, there's very few, no, how should I say it? There's really no simple answer to the deepest questions. The, the the thing is, each of us has to find out for ourselves, And that's the beauty of it. But people, a lot of people these days, they don't like that because they want to be given the answer. Just tell me the answer. <laughs> and it's like, well, no, no one can tell you the answer. You have to figure it out by yourself. Because your answer is going to come in a different way than my answer or his answer or her answer. So a strategy, you need a plan when you play a chess game and when you live a human life. You also need tactics. And tactics are like basically your to-do list. Think of it that way. These little actions. So becoming disciplined to do meditation, that's one. Um, You know, learning how to communicate with people more effectively, that's one. So there's a lot of tactics we can learn, and we can really become skilled in many areas that help us, that just sort of smoothen the path of spirituality. You know, learning how to communicate with people better is not an end in itself. You're not learning to communicate better just because you want to communicate better. You're learning to communicate better so you avoid the pitfalls of bad communication And thus, make your spiritual path smoother because there's less obstacles. Right? It's that simple. Um, Okay, so another, uh, um, another part of chess is waiting. All right, there's, there's, well, there's two kinds of waiting. Number one, while your opponent is moving, while it's your, while it's your opponent's turn to move, you have to wait. You can't do anything. You just have to sit there and wait. Or get up and walk around and wait. But you have to wait because it's not your turn. So that's one. That's the lower aspect of waiting. The higher aspect of waiting is when you have a plan for your chess pieces. And remember, we're talking about life here. We're not really talking about chess. We're just using chess as the analogy. But when you're, when you're executing your plan in life, sometimes you have to wait. Like, for instance, maybe you want to buy a home, right? Maybe you currently rent an apartment and you're saving your money and you want to buy a home. But it's possible when you start looking for a home and you start looking into more details... You find out that, well, yes, you do have some money saved, but it's really not enough. You really need double that amount, okay, let's say. So, waiting. You're going to have to say, look, I really want to buy a home right now, but I'm going to have to wait because I have to save a little more money. Same thing happens on a chessboard. You know, you want to go on this big attack, attack the other, attack your opponent. But if you're not ready, if you attack prematurely, you're going to lose. So the same thing in life. We want, we have to do things. We want to do things, 
but we have to be careful that we're ready to do things so we don't lose because if you for instance if the if if you bought a home too soon and you don't really have enough money you're going to be under incredible stress to pay your bills to earn money you're going to have no money you're not going to be able to go on vacation so it kind of like snowballs and it it can become a nightmare i would assume i've ne- it's never happened to me but i i wouldn't want to go through that you're almost trapped in your your new house it's like a prison that's causing you all kinds of stress. I mean, man, who wants that? I'd rather stay in the apartment and <laughs> be happy. <laughs> Go on some vacations. Jeez. So waiting. Sometimes we have to wait. And of course, the other side of that coin is sometimes you have to just do it. But that's that's a whole different topic right there. And the one last thing I just want to mention is experience. You know, if you tried to play, if you're a beginner in chess and you try to play a grandmaster who's been playing chess for 35 years, you're going to get destroyed, period. There's no, that's it. You're done. You have no chance. So experience really does count for something. And I think in life, we forget this. And I know I forget it for myself. I mean, all the years of meditation and reading books, it does add up to something. I mean, I just had a conversation with a woman yesterday. I mean, it's the same conversation I always have with, with new people who, who, do, who want to meditate, but they, they don't, they think they cannot meditate. Same thing. She said, oh, I'm not able to meditate. I can't meditate. My mind is too crazy. I can't meditate. I said, no, that's the wrong way to say it. You're not, maybe you're not able to, maybe you think you're not able to meditate right now, but you're, you have the wrong expectations. Again, if you're a chess player, if you're a brand new chess player, your first chess game ever, and you play a grandmaster and you get destroyed, does that mean you're a horrible chess player? No, you didn't even start. It's your first game. You didn't learn anything. You didn't you didn't have a teacher. You didn't do anything. You didn't you don't have any chance. So, why would you judge yourself and say, "Oh, I'm a bad chess player?" I mean, that's ridiculous, right? Well, it's the same thing with meditation. People close their eyes for 30 seconds and they say, "Oh my god, I have so many thoughts. I can't meditate. Meditation's too hard." Well, you might be able to meditate, but I'm not. I I just can't do it. I can't do it, Chris. I mean, that's just completely... It's insane, actually. It, it's crazy. So we have to understand that experience does count for something. And it may take us some time to gain that experience. But regardless, in your life, you have a lot of experience with a lot of things. And you probably haven't given much credence to those things. But sometimes we have to. So this woman yesterday, when I was telling her about meditation and what it really is and how it really works and that you need to spend some time and you need to learn a system that works, I talked to her for five minutes. I don't even know what I said, but I know I said a lot of good things because that little light bulb went off inside of her head. She's like, oh, wow. Oh, Maybe I, yeah, maybe I should try it. Yeah, I can do it. I mean, I don't even know what I said, but but that was how many years of experience talking. It just came out. I, I didn't even think about it, really. So the same thing, and, and my experience is just going to grow. Your experience is just going to grow, and you'll be able to help more people, which is part of the whole the idea of spirituality, right? It's not... Part of it is for ourselves. Part of it is just to help more people. So, all right. Well, let's just take a quick break, and then I got something really cool that I want to share with you.
Okay, thank you, Douglas Irvine. That's from his album called Ambient Egypt. Douglas Irvine. I love that. Thank you, Douglas. Right? That's... Again, I've played pieces of that before, but he actually... They found some instruments in, like, some of these tombs in Egypt that were, you know, 3,000 years old, and he played some of those instruments on his album (laughs) for real. Like, those are real... 3,000-year-old instruments. Some of them, not all of them. But welcome back to The Mystic Show. I'm Chris Curran, and uh, and I just want to tell you that The Mystic Show right now, it may seem like it's the Chris Curran monologue, <laughs> but uh, it won't be like that forever because I'm going to be booking more guests. We're going to have other very experienced people on the show, experts in various areas, and, um, of course, don't worry. We're going to ask him all the tough questions. And uh, and you can, too. When we have a guest on, you'll be able to call up and ask questions as well. So the Mystic Show is going to grow and rise to new levels as we go. And uh, hopefully you can be a part of that. Like I said, your two cents <laughs> really matters. And I want to hear it. Other people want to hear it. So... So start thinking along the lines of participation. All right. So themysticshow.net is our website. Themysticshow.net. You can find our phone number, our Facebook and Twitter links, everything on the website, previous shows. Check it out. Um, And by the way, thank you to Pause Your Life, pauseyourlife.org. I really love those uh, daily pause emails that I get every morning. It's an inspirational quote you get every morning. So if you want, go to pauseyourlife.org, pauseyourlife.org. And and on the right side, you could sign up for the email list. It's free, just your email. And actually, you don't even, you're not even required to put your name. The email is the only required field. So uh, there you go. If you want to remain anonymous. All right, so the last thing we're going to talk about today is the another passage from uh, 365 Dao, Daily Meditations by Deng Ming Dao. And this one is called, um, and by the way, before the show, I was looking out the window and, you know, people are zipping around in their cars and everyone's, you know, running around, scampering to wherever they have to go and 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 you you realize on this show, I don't really talk about um, the hustle and bustle. We don't talk about the news. We don't talk about gossip. This show is really, it's almost like we ignore the rest of the world for an hour and we just focus on higher topics, higher values and, and, and personal development and spiritual truths. Right. And I love that. And I hope you appreciate that as well. So this from 365 Dow. This passage is called Swimmer. It's called Swimmer, and I'll just go ahead and read it. Though life is a dream, act as if it isn't. Act with no weight. You may understand that life is but a dream, but that doesn't free you from the responsibility to act. This dream may not be of your own making, but you must still engage it and operate within the parameters of the fantasy. You must become the producer, director, and actor of a phantasmic stage play. Otherwise, you are aimlessly adrift. Meditating is to wake up. Few of us have acquired the skill to be in constant meditation. Therefore, we awake and dream, awake and dream. The moments of enlightenment are like the times when swimmers come up for air. 
they gain a breath of life, but they must submerge once again. We are all swimmers on the sea of sorrow, bobbing up and down until our final liberation. The initial difficulty of spirituality is a schizophrenia between true understanding and the sorrow of everyday life. Our enlightenment clashes with the outer impurities. That is why some novitiates withdraw into isolation. Once people gain true spiritual insight, they dispense with this split. They can live in this world and yet not be stained by it. They are the strongest and most serene swimmers of all. They act and yet they barely disturb the water. Their actions are outwardly no different from ordinary actions, but they leave no wake. And that's that's the uh, passage called Swimmer. I like that. They leave no wake. Isn't that how... It seems like that's how nature works, mostly, very quietly. I've heard some people say that if you, you know, when you want to get things done, the more subtle you can do it, the more quietly you can do it, the better. Right? So we're all swimmers and life is but a dream, but, you know, we do have these moments of enlightenment and it's like he says, when when swimmers come up for air, we get a breath of life but then we have to submerge into everyday life again. But we really can look forward to the time when, like he says, we can exist in the world and participate in everyday life, but really not be stained by it, um, not be dragged down by it. We sort of remain in this spiritual state or uh, or constant remembering, or divine remembrance. Um, that's uh, that's probably that's definitely one of the stages on the spiritual path. It's not the highest stage by far. I think there's a lot beyond that. Um, and that reminds me, we need to do a show about spiritual stages and stuff. But that's another show. So. So I hope this episode was good for you. I hope we talked about some interesting things. Hopefully you can keep some of this on your mind and, and maybe talk to some other people about, about these concepts. I mean, some people in your life, you'd be surprised. Some people you think are not spiritual at all. But if you start talking to them a little, man, they'll just start opening up and, hey, maybe try it. So as you move through your day, keep a good vibration. Keep in touch with these higher concepts, these higher values. And and as always, keep shining. <laughs>